that. All right. All right. For this episode, James, <clears throat> I promise whatever bit you do, I will go overboard with how much I support it. I will go 110%. I'm like Bitman. Like, no, 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 Bitman. This week on Socratic Cinema. The newest the newest Pisney movie is the most bibbly thing ever. <laughs> it's the most Gixar. Gixar. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it the, the Socratic Delicio Pixar Deep Curve. <laughs> of course he tags his name on too. He doesn't need me. He doesn't want me. That you was, don't either. I was like, this is so unnecessary. It was stretching <laughs> my disbelief. It was stretching. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Socratic Cinema Podcast. My name is Casey Clark. My name is James Delicio. And I'm Charlie Heatherly. And this week, we are jumping into another Disney Pixar masterpiece. I I love the Pisney... Uh, the... <laughs> I'm sorry. What? No. Yeah, it's their it's their ship name. Pixar and Disney. You got Disnar. You got Pisney. Listen, Uh, don't come. You come into my house saying Pisney. I. It's not gonna work. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Pisney. Different than Pisney. Pisney. All right. Is that like Disney like rebranded with a Z in their name for the to appeal to the millennial audience? What's going? well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Piss- the millennial, <laughs> the Wait, millennial, the millennial audience, audience just the end of the I, alphabet. You know, th- <laughs> Thunder Mountain's yes. Thunder Mountain's my favorite ride at, at Pisneyland, but just at the one Disneyland. at Pisney World really did, didn't mm-hmm. didn't have the yeah, same magic. It didn't to hit it. different, yeah. But <laughs> bit number Anyways, one complete. Bit number one complete. I've been tasked with being Check. funny. It's a so bingo. I'm gonna. It's bit go. It's big that, that wasn't good. Cut that out. That wasn't. We good. could have a, a Socratic uh, currency instead of Bitcoin. It's bit. It's just okay. Bit, bit. This is going to be the biggest empty <laughs> promise. The Socratic Wait. cinema Bitcoin knockoff. Today a Bitcoin is, We're talking about Luca. But excuse it's, this me. Is, no, yeah. uh, no, 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 no. I was going to say. I was going to say this is this this is a Socratic Bitcast. This is the like oh Cowcast, cow Mortal Kombat. Yes, yeah, this is the Bitcast. We're going to be talking about inflation over fettuccine Alfredo. So, as James already talked about, <laughs> we are <laughs> jumping into Luca, which is the most recent Disney Pixar collaboration that we have access to because they didn't put it behind a $30 paywall. So <laughs> we're going to yeah, jump which, into... Which I heard that the 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 Pixar people were mad about that. They were like, yeah, I really? Mean, for, you're going to last... make... <laughs> yeah. How Go dare ahead. they not compensate us no, for no. our work? Yeah. It's like, you're going to put Mulan behind a paywall, but like Soul, Luca are, are, are free? Yeah. <laughs> All the all the uh, all the Pisney collaborations. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this work by the end. Yeah, but you really gotta lean into the hard S. The Pisney. Yeah, the Pisney. Say hard S. Pisney. (laughs) Um, collaborations have not been behind a paywall, which I think is interesting. I mean. I love me some animation, so yeah. I can openly just choose not to watch the reboots. But now, I, but I have my uh, charcuterie board of Pisney content that I can 
yeah. <laughs> that Look, I pay, can consume. Compensate them for their work, but also at the yes, same time, please. I'm not compl- I'm not complaining about not having to pay extra money on top of the subscription that I'm already yes, paying for. Well, yeah, they get paid hourly. They're fine. Like they're making yeah, money. Fine. Jim Gaffigan is in this movie. When did that happen? Yeah, Jim he's Gaffigan. The dad. Oh my God, he is the dad. Wait, and the one of the uh, the kid who was in It and also Shazam, Jack yeah, Dylan Grazer. Yes, he's I there. love him. J D Gray's phase is in it. Yeah, the guy from J. Wonder is was in he, it. He was Tremblay. Yeah. Wait, Holy Tremblay crap. is Wonder Boy. Oh my yes. gosh! Isn't that crazy? This is stacked. Right? Yeah. Very. So now cool. that we've talked about the cast, Charlie, how did the movie make you feel? Ooh, okay. So the Pisney collaborations, I will say, in recent years have given me the initial vibe of this is going to be the fall. Like, this is the end of the Roman Empire. They've <laughs> finally done it. This. They've made a garbage movie. I thought this for, uh, what's the one with the two blue elf people that go on the adventure? Onward. Yeah, that one. Onward. Onward. I thought this for Onward. I was like, this is the dumbest execution of this concept I've ever seen. This is such a lame idea. And then it, the movie blew me away and it was lovely. The same exact thing happened with Luca. I was like, the animation looks garbage. This is such a boring story. And then I watched it and it's just so fun. And I'm tired of Pixar like converting me halfway through their movies because I just want to like be right with my initial observation for once. But they're just so infectious. And I think that this movie, especially with the way that it, it actually said to kids like, look, you should probably have a little bit of fun and be a little bit exciting and adventurous. You know, Silencio Bruno, like that thing is wonderful. That's like yes. my favorite thing that they've done in such a long time for telling kids how to explore their childhoods and telling them to explore their childhoods in an age where it's so easy to just sort of stay inside and, you know, watch media and content like the stuff that Pixar is providing. And Socratic but, Cinema. And Socratic Cinema, which you absolutely should stay inside for. Uh, don't listen yes. to Bruno. Yeah, don't but, listen to Newsom. Stay inside. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Period. Stay inside, stay inside shut your blinds. Podcast. Yes, close the blinds, stay inside, put your mask on, and and watch Socratic cinema. <laughs> yeah, that's for California order. Silencio yeah, Newsom. Silencio <laughs> Newsom. <laughs> yes, that, sounds, that should have been our Gov classes uh, catchphrase all year. Silencio <laughs> Newsom. It pretty yeah, much was. Gosh. Gosh, uh, we are not a political podcast. We are not affiliated with either the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Uh, we are We're actually affiliated with Libertarians. The Green Party. So, yeah. Oh, Green I, Party. I, was, yeah, oh well. I was thinking Green Party. but Well, I mean, you know, the Libertarians do have Vermin Supreme as one of their chancellors. So. <laughs> Char- Vermin Supreme. Charlie, uh, yeah. about, about Luca. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more? Or are you, uh, are you, oh, well, <laughs> did, well, I, did we bit you off your track? No, well, so... <laughs> I, I will say uh, Luca's story is perhaps not the most inventive thing ever. It, it's pretty A to B. Uh, there's not a whole lot of insane plot twists that I wasn't expecting. But it, it just has a lot, of, a, a lot of little details that I feel like the director put in from his childhood in Italy that really make it what it is. Like, it, it goes into my whole philosophy where it's the details that make the work. So even if it's a little tiny thing, you should spend a lot of time on that because if somebody notices it, it makes literally all the difference. And that's how it worked for me and Luca. Like, you could tell that the the colors and the way that people talked and, and interacted and, and just the way that the town looked, like, you couldn't get that vibe unless you had someone who grew up in a town like that. 
Uh, and, and thank God they had a director who was Italian and could actually deliver that. So I think for all those reasons, I really did enjoy Luca. Uh, I think it's a solid like eight out of 10 for me. I, I really, I, I really like my time with it. And I think it's an important movie to show kids, especially, especially nowadays when it's, it's, you know, as I said, very easy to stay inside. But, uh, I was sort of wondering, James, uh, as our uh, residential expert on race, did you feel like this movie was racist towards <laughs> Italians? Wait, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. Rewind that. <laughs> <laughs> the triathlon, do you not, the, the Italian triathlon, oh my where God. instead of oh, running, they have you, you eat pasta. You sly, I see, no, you, you played that off well because you said our resident expert on race uh, yeah. and then decided to play that off with the race in the movie, <laughs> which yeah, is a clever that trick. Good. That was very good. <laughs> First of you can still hear the I just gave James a, a heart attack. This, yeah. You did. Gosh, that would there was this like bit on the on uh, my brother, my brother and me, the the most you know influential podcast ever, where they were like talking about this hypothetical game show about horse races, and so the they were calling it Horse Race Island, and they decided to shorten the title to just Race Island before backtracking and realizing that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I, um, one, okay, I have a couple observations about Pixar. I'll probably save one of them for later because it's sort of like the sequel to my soul. The soul Pixar is getting deep thing because that was like the main point with soul. But uh, I, I really liked Luca. Um, again, sort of like Charlie, I didn't really know much about it going in. I All I knew is that people were like, oh, this is like going to be like, I have there's a lot of people online saying like this is like call me by your name like they're going this is oh, Pixar's geez. call me by your name and I was oh, like well yeah the director's the one that directed call me by your call name, me yeah. by your name. <laughs> I was like what is wrong with you it's pick no it's not it's Pixar yeah, it's, it's like, not at all they're it's not, not at all so if you were worried about that at all because like I part in the back of my head I was like what if they what if this gets all call me by your name and it, it never did thankfully well are you no, that's Elaborate. not what I mean. You mean see. by gay? No, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> that's a resident homophobe, James. You, you like are, elaborate. People are, 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 are putting me in terrible... You know what I mean. That's just like, this is not what that... You know. Anyways, this movie's not Call Me By Your Name, if, if that's what anyone was wondering out there. It's not. Um, you could definitely do some readings of it, though. I think there's a lot of lenses you can watch this movie through. Um but I really enjoyed this. This is the most, uh, this is the most Ghibli Pixar movie ever. Like, whoa. Oh, that's, that's a take. Yeah, that's a take. Jesus. Write that one down on a stone tablet. That's a take. <laughs> Luca is the most. Okay, that, Moses. Putting that on the thumbnail. Luca is the most Ghibli Pixar ever. <laughs> yeah, That'll using, get clicks for sure. Using, yeah, using Ghibli as an Ghibli? adjective in Pixar. Uh, uh. Bibli. Bibli? Yeah. The newest the newest Pisney movie is the most Bibli thing ever. It's the most Gixar. My friends my friends call Pisney movies pissers for short, just because that's like a, you know, it's a nice little movie. But this was very enjoyable. I thought it was a nice, like pretty straight up and down story, like Charlie said. It, it's it's a little uh it's a little tropey. It's a little predictable, I feel. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It, it's not reinventing the wheel. Um, but what it is is a very charming story. 
Um, I think all the relationships in the movie are very well done and um, are, I think, thing, you know, models of good relationships that kids can look after. I mean, the the Luca, Alberto, and Julia trio is like, wow. Yeah, golden trio. <laughs> wish I had that. Yeah, you know? Well, hey, I that's know. I wish I was well, in Well, wait it. a minute. I was, I, <laughs> wait, you had to realize that? I thought you were making a joke. <laughs> no, I was. You jerk. <laughs> Stop, oh guys. Can they, let's not let this episode be the one where I where I finally crossed the line. Casey, what did you think about Luca? Get me out of here. Man. All right. I'll, I'm swooping in. I'm swooping in. Luca was really good. I feel like I agree with all of your guys' points. It was honestly not something that I haven't seen before. Like when I was watching, I'm like, okay, this is very reminiscent. Like we get the parents don't want you to go do something from Ariel. And then we get like, oh, mm-hmm. he's a sea monster. He's trying to, you know, like figure himself out, but also has this like paranoia and fear of going to the surface. You know, it's a very um, cut and dry like formula thing. But I feel like throughout the movie, they added like the best parts of the movie were their like visual elements. Like as Charlie was talking about, like the details that really, really make the movie enjoyable. Like you really have to like pay attention to the um, movie. Like I, I feel like the um, the animation style, it kind of grew on me. Like when For I was sure. first watching it, I was like, mm. okay, this is like, you know, um, not like what, like it's not... It's not like Pixar all, style. It's a new yeah, style. Yeah, it's not Pixar stuff. It was very, especially in the underwater scenes, it was very like reminiscent of like, okay, this is like top tier, maybe like DreamWorks stuff, but I'm not giving like Pixar from it. That's such but a then, roast. That's such a <laughs> roast. Yeah, but isn't that a roast on Pixar or on DreamWorks? The slander either way. It's a double roast. Know. It's a double roast. Um, but then once we get like up in the, in the town... And we're actually like getting more stuff to look at because I don't know, it's kind of hard when you're just underwater, you know, Um, it feels like that's a very, yeah, kind of flat, lame, womp. Um, But even like the character designs, like I feel like the best character design underwater was the Uncle Grog. Yes. Ugo. And I was he like, killed it. Ugo, Ugo, yeah. Grog? I don't, Ugo. I don't know. Grog, I don't, it's fine. Um, but even like what one of the main details that stood out to me, like when they tried gelato for the first time and then they have like, um, <clears throat> sorry, I forget if it was both the guys or just Alberto, um, his like pupils dilate when he tries it. And oh, like, I thought mm-hmm. that was such like a cool little detail. And overall, it's just a really like, it's a really good movie. I felt like um, even like the twist at the end where it's the well, it's not really a twist, but it's like the the grandmas or the that have been like kind of cameoing throughout the movie and being fishes. Yes, background twist. And it was was a really enjoyable movie. I know y'all are, you know what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a hearty 8.5. I would say the same. Shake my hand, Casey. I will shake your hand. (laughs) Virtually. Virtual handshake. Yes. Yes. Wait, did I give the movie the lowest rating? Is it back to to the balance and the force that we are in some season one territory right now? I think so. (laughs) Oh my God. I can't believe it. That's crazy. I mean, fair. It it is an eight out of 10. That's 
you know, not very that's different pretty, than 8.5. But yeah, that still is above average. I'm waiting for another over the moon where I give a movie a, a, a four out of 10 and then you guys <laughs> are like, yeah, it's just like an 8.5 out of 10. Over the moon yeah. is like the most soft boiled like seven I've ever seen, I think. It's just like. No, it's fair. It's over like the moon is, is creatively offensive, I think. Okay, uh, well, this uh-huh. isn't about over the moon, is it? Um, yes. Let's, you know Casey, what? Yeah, Before we move on, I want to actually touch more on the point of what James was bringing up about how this movie is, like all the discourse about it being a call me by your name part, prequel, whatever. Um, <laughs> there, you just, there not a prequel. Kids. Wait, let me not say that. Of <laughs> the Pixar version. Prequel. <laughs> because I, I actually was talking to my, my mom about it because I'm like, oh, there's all this discourse about um, on Twitter about like the ending scene and how it's like, you know, people reading into you like, oh, you know, it's Pride Month. You know, there's a they're little, 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 little flip wrist maybe. Flips wrist. And I was like, and we we're just talking about it. And I feel like she brought up a really good point that needs to kind of be like addressed and looked at because I feel like a, when we're looking at, um, as we talk about on the show, we look at representation and stuff a lot. So I feel like there are ways that people can, because I mean, like I like to reach, but I do it in like a satirical way. Like you're like, oh yeah, so-and-so like they're gay. Like you can't convince me that they're not. <laughs> like you can't convince me yeah. that this person's straight. But all but usually I'm like joking unless I'm not. But I feel like in <laughs> Yeah, I'm in, lying like, except this, for when I'm telling the truth. <laughs> the truth. Yeah, exactly. You'll you'll never know. But in this story, like I feel like especially since like they're young like they're young guys and I feel How like they're they? they, ooh. I don't can't know. Be older than like thirteen. I, yeah, they can't would, be older than thirteen. Yeah, I would put them at like a hardy twelve. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say maybe even like Luca feels like a ten or eleven year old and then Alberto seems like a uh uh like thirteen year old to me. Yeah, because they're Air, definitely Air middle schoolers. was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely middle schoolers. Um which makes sense with the whole like, oh, Ercole, like you're too old. And he's like, ah, yeah, being in a high schooler stuck in his peak years. Um, sad. Imagine peaking sad. in middle school. Middle school. Rip. But um, go, what were you were saying, Casey? But I feel like for movies like this, especially, like we don't have to really like reach to make what Alberto and why am I forgetting the main character's Luca? name? Luca. Luca, the name of the I movie. I know, I know, the name of the movie. Luca and Alberto, like, you don't have to make it, like, romantic. Like, I feel like it's very important to also have, of course, like, representation of queer and especially, like, young queer relationships. But also, we also it's important to have movies where it's just focusing on guys being, like, guys. Guys being, guys like, being friends. Bros. Yeah. Just bros being dudes. I knew um, this would come up and I have my take ready. You have your oh, take you ready? Should. All right. I have my All take right. ready. I saw, again, um, I saw the same conversation happening with the Gib- G- Ghibli, apparently. So this is a Giblar movie. Um, it's Aww. like that, that movie when Marnie was there, people were making the same thing. It's like, ah, oh, this is like totally XYZ way. Like they're gay or they're straight or they're blah, blah, blah. Here's my take. I mean, you can read it however you want. And that's totally valid to you. Yes. That's, that's basically my take. Like, 
Both mm-hmm. readings of it can exist separately from each other. And so if you like the, you know, strong platonic friendship take, which I mean, I probably lean towards, I guess, cause just because I love that. Like I'm a sucker for that. Um, and I think that's really important. I think kids need to like know that you can have affectionate, like close friendships and it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. Like you said, like guys being dudes. I think that's, you know, important for kids to see those sort of healthy things. Um, uh, and and I feel like, but also if you want to read this as like a, you know, call me by your name, queer coming of age story, d- you can have that take. Like, oh, if it's not canon, who, like who cares? Like you're allowed to have different readings of texts. That's like basically the basis of analysis is like, I'm going to read this through XYZ lens. Okay, cool. Like that's that's just as valid and it can exist within a like equal but separate you know universe i guess like i think right, you, yeah i think you can read it as either or um it's it's just your opinion dude that's my take for Who sure cares? <laughs> yeah and i think yeah. that that i've i fall or i just take both your guys's opinions and, and that's effectively mine i think that shipping everyone and everyone is super fun yeah, uh fun. yeah like like shipping Troy and Abed as a couple in community, great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard it. Low. You've never heard that? No. See, I, I don't know. I like. I feel so starved of of positive dude bros that whenever I see him, I kind of latch on. Uh, like I Troy see. and Abed or Luca and Alberto. I uh, see. Or, or who was it? We talked about it with uh, the dudes from Tenet. Like, oh yeah, you could like you can totally read that as like oh great affectionate like healthy friendship, or you could read it as like flips wow. wrist and These and like gay and like good it's fun them. it's it's fun like what mm-hmm. you know whatever it's it's like yeah people can read things however you want is my point yeah and I will say I think specifically for Luca I don't think there is a very strong case for a romantic relationship between any of the three members. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I think that it is all very clear that they're pretty much friends. And if you are seriously trying to to make an argument that like they they have a romantic relationship, either with the girl or with uh the the two boys, I I disagree. I, I think that it would be very hard for me to to be turned on that. I think they're too, I mean, at, at some level, like, why are you worrying about these little 12-year-olds and, like, what they're getting down to? Like, just let, like, 12-year-olds don't need to be worried about that, man. Let them have fun in Italy in the summertime. Like, gosh, man. Well, yeah, and I think that it's important. I mean, because I think you said a, a very important point, James, which is, like, people should read into it what they want. Like, if there is a a young gay boy who sees this movie and sees him and like you know his crush like in the characters of Luca and Alberto I think that that's great sure. I think that, that's yeah. awesome uh, like literary uh, like analysis wise I I would say that they're friends but I think that you should be able to read into it and and see your your own experiences in them however you want however you yeah yeah it. no my, my uh, what I meant my point with that last section was just like at some level, don't get too heated about whether or not the 12-year-old Italian kids are, are like, 
smooching or not. Like for sure. That's not right. You know, definitely. That, that ain't what it, this is about. Especially with the twelve-year-old thing, like the underage stuff. It's it's a little bit weirder. Hey, it is like call me by your name. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You didn't but, want to review that. Whoa, movie. Whoa. I think that was. Yeah, listen, you I explicitly think, said I, no. Listen, told me by your I, I, I wanted to make army hammer cannibalism jokes, and you said no. I know, and you said I, no. You know I how many being, bits we could have got after I out was of that? Literally, a joke. Silencio, anyway. Jamie. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I think yeah, that was a good a good thing that needed to be brought up, Casey. And I think that was a good way to start our our conversation about this movie because that's like the most topical thing that's being talked about, which is a shame because there's like beneath all the discourse, there's a really enjoyable like you know there's a lot else to this film that deserves praise and mm. you know disability um, representation too in yeah. the dad. See, that I, was, yeah, that was really great. It, it was so fluidly put in there that I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, he was born with an arm. Cool. And then yes. like as we were talking, I, I was like, trying to think of like points in the movie and like ways that they included like d- diverse characters. And I was like, wait, the dad didn't lose his arm fighting a goddamn sea monster or anything. Exactly. It was like, he was just born without an arm. That's great. Yeah. yeah I didn't and really, he's huh. super chill about it. And he was I did, like, oh yeah, I was just born like this. And the movie was so chill about it that I didn't even like I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. This is one arm dead man. Like, yeah, which totally like it fits into his character. You know, like that dad cared. A, I would, I love the him. design of like big eyebrow, <laughs> big mustache dad. Yeah. Oh, yes. immaculate. So was that a cloudy with a chance of meatballs? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a very classic <laughs> design. I just love it. I love it so much. But especially like, I felt like making that choice really just contributes to the whole like the sea monster thing is just like an ignorance thing you know like he didn't have like if he would have gotten his arm taken off by fighting a sea monster then it would have established a vendetta and it would have established like a backing to this fear but because he like didn't and they didn't make choose to make that choice it was just like no it's just people being ignorant and afraid of things that they can't understand and like i felt like that was a great like yeah thing to do and especially and it just makes the whole like ending part as much as it was like okay yeah obviously but it just made it so much more like um like satisfying you know yeah Yeah. i didn't even that that was really good that was a really good point. I, I didn't even think about how that sort of like adds to the sea monster like prejudice aspect. Mm-hmm. It's like it just purely was just people being being ignorant. Yeah. And <laughs> and here's the important thing with the sea monster thing uh, that I hope people don't walk away from this movie thinking this is not a Zootopia like race allegory thing. No, uh, it isn't. <laughs> like, I think as, as you it? said, Casey, I, I think it's just generalized prejudice against I, I thought, But if that's their viewing, if that's the way they want to view it, then more power to them. I mean, sure, again, I think that that's pretty <laughs> wishy-washy in terms of, you know, supporting yeah, no, that with I, evidence. I'm just being funny, yeah. But, like... Definitely, I think that they did a good job at just allowing people to put whatever uh, sort of thing makes them an outsider onto those two characters and then connect with them that way. Because that's really important for children is is they feel othered in so many different ways. So you need something that allows children to like sort of uh, relate to a character while it not being too specific to, you know, stop other people from relating to it. 
So I, I'm glad that they went with just the general like sea monster, uh, very easy uh, like to to see how they're different because you know they're a sea monster. The other people are just humans. I, I I like how simple it was, especially for younger kids to be able to grasp that theme really really yeah. well. Like if you're a parent, you should show this movie to your children 100. percent Absolutely. Uh, I I want to say I think from a purely plot perspective. It was handled a little, like, the resolution with the sea monsters, I feel like, was a little, maybe not earned, maybe. Just because, like, I don't know. It, it's sort of, and, and I guess you could make the argument that, like, so essentially, the boys reveal themselves as sea monsters to the town, and the dad is like, but I know you're good people, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And then everyone loves sea monsters, suddenly. Or is, like, okay with it. Which, like... On one level, you can make the argument that that was like rushed and not earned. But then on the other level, you can make the, like I I see I've seen people make this argument before. I saw this conversation happen a lot, almost with like the kind of like not white savior, but sort of like that sort of thing where it's like, oh, you may be a sea monster, but I know deep down you're a good person, so I accept you. It's like that shouldn't right, be it's the, the erasure of it. That shouldn't yeah. be the condition. It should be like, I don't care that you're a sea monster. I just, that's not, that's not part of the conversation, you know? Like. I don't see color. Yeah. At the, at the <laughs> risk of saying that. Yeah. Basically, you know. Um, yeah. But do you see what I mean? It's sort of like. Yeah. That yeah. can be. a. I don't think that was a problem in Luca really. But like. If this was trying to be a racial commentary or anything. It probably would have been a little more of a problem. Because it's like. Uh, it's like in spite of the fact that you're a monster i still love you because yeah. i know you like you're exceptional and you have like you're a good person beneath it's like that's yeah such that a would bad, be way more problematic that's such yeah. a bad thing that's such a yeah um it should be like oh you are a sea creature and that's not a bad quality that's it's not okay. in spite of it's in addition to we're gonna put that on a t-shirt you're a sea monster you're and that's okay too. You yeah, are that's our Socratic merch. Don't add on to the empty promises. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I think that's a through line with this whole movie is that it's pretty, like, predictable. Um, it's like, well, of course, Alberto's going to get jealous and he's going to come back and save the day at the last second. Like, the duh, doy, the sure. Um, but I think it worked. Like, I, I, I think it was fine. It's tried and true. Um, I did think, though... Man, the scene where Alberto uh, reveals himself as a sea monster, and then Luca instead is oh, like I don't, Luca. Mm, Luca turns on him. Holy moonlight! That was that yeah, was so brutal. Yeah, that was that was one thing that caught me by surprise. Yeah, that was, was actually like, a really interesting turn. I I I really enjoyed that bit, and I was thinking about it. I don't think that every movie should try to be a masterpiece. Like, I don't think that Luca should have tried to be subversive or, or like, it, it worked as a very formulaic film. And I think it did a great job being that. And I think that Luca tried to be a good, enjoyable movie and it completely succeeded at what it tried to do. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I'm glad it was formulaic because I think otherwise it would have been too complicated and, and, and too plot driven. I, I was there for the setting. I was there for the characters. And I think that that's what they were focusing on. And they delivered that 100%. Listen here. Last time, previously on Socratic Cinema, we <laughs> talked about how Pixar is sort of on this 
like unsustainable pattern of growth where every movie is deeper and more subversive than the last. We all remember the Pixar deep fallacy argument that we had in Soul. Yes, yes. It's like, this is not sustainable. You're going to get too deep for your own good and it's just going to be a bad movie. And where does that bring you? Back to me. Here's what (laughs) I I realize that was not entirely accurate. What Pixar actually does is is it's uh it's an oscillating pattern. It's like a sine wave where they do deep movie, pretty straightforward, dare I say, kind of like eh movie in terms of deepness. Like and I've realized that this pattern has been here all along. Since deep Pixar started, the the DPU, the deep Pixar, the DPCU, <laughs> the, the deep Pixar cinematic universe uh i would say started with inside out because uh, that was pixar's big like return they hadn't made a movie in a while really yeah um i'd pin it sooner i'd pin it at up i think up is when is when you start getting really you think d- up is when the deepening started well because like think of that first 10 minutes that's like insane for that a was well, okay yeah sure but i feel like up would have fit with the deep the DPCU more if it was like if the big twist of up was like some crazy like theme about grief and moving on like death was a part of that movie but like there was no big subversive twist like there is with inside out and soul where it's like metaphysical and and the meaning of life and you know uh so but I I see you I think up was laying the foundation um but it was like they released Inside Out and it was this crazy deep movie. And then they followed it up with The Good Dinosaur. Like, what? What? <laughs> You're like, excuse me? The, the best di- Pixar movie to good, ever exist. The Good Dinosaur. Really? Uh, and it's just like, you know, The Good Dinosaur, not that deep, kind of forgettable, a pretty by the books movie. Um, and I think that pattern sort of, I think that's the role that Luca fills. Like, Soul is to Inside Out as Luca is to The Good Dinosaur. I think Luca is, like, not forgettable by any means. I think Luca's a great movie. But, like, you have this crazy, world-shaking, like, mind-boggling movie like Soul. And then you get Luca, which is very light, very jovial, very whimsical. Um, What other adjectives meaning, like, cheery can I throw on there? Uh, but you know what I mean? It's like yeah. they cut up the deepness with light movies. And I hope they continue to do that. Um, but the deep ones just seem to be getting deeper. So it's like a sine wave where the peaks get bigger every time. Now, we'll see what happens next. But I just had to inform everyone that I've made an update to my scientific model. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it okay. the, the Socratic Delisio Pixar Deep Curve. <laughs> <laughs> of course he tags his name onto it. Yeah. The, S- right. the SDPD curve. Well, so let's let's see how correct this is. Let's go through starting at inside out their movies and you tell me if your curve is correct. All right. Okay. Do you have it up? I have it up. Okay. Oh, period. Inside out good dinosaur. Okay. That's our first that's our first deep not deep pair. Finding Dory Cars 3. I would say that. Hey, I would honestly say that f- works. I'd say Finding Dory was deep-esque, uh, and then Cars 3 was the light one. I think Finding Dory is deeper than Cars, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Coco Incredibles 2. 
Perfect. Checks out perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Here's what it gets interesting. Toy Story 4 and then Onward. Mm, that's hard. I think Onward is deeper than Toy Story 4, but Toy Story 4 had some deepness to it too with the whole well, like... Toy yeah. Story, I think, has always been a very deep series. Yeah. It has always dealt with the themes of childhood and what it means to play and like how do you move on from from having that much creativity and imagination as a child like the passing like, of responsibility of like free time and imagination when he gives the the, the toys to uh, the the kid I in hear you I hear you but onward was deep man no like, onward was super oh my god the parental yeah. things Jeez. yeah the oh, grief geez. commentary yeah so that one is a little shaky maybe an outlier but overall I think my model holds up Oh, wait, and here's the future two, or here's the future pair. You ready? Mm -hmm. Turning Red, which is the movie about the girl who turns into a red panda, uh, uh -huh. and then uh -huh. Lightyear, the Buzz Lightyear movie. So Turning Red better voice be Voice by deep Chris Evans. Voice by Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah, voice by Chris Evans. So yeah, Turning Red better be deep as hell or else I'm going to look like a fraud. Um, you have your entire career writing on this. I know everything I am. Uh, I, I think though, like the, uh, maybe I'll make a mock-up of the Pixar deep curve and post it on our Instagram and say, Oh yes. my God, guys, wait, Glixar is, is deeper than we thought. Pixar well, assisted no, no. in the English localization of several studio Ghibli, Ghibli <gasps> films, mainly those wait. from Hayao Miyazaki. Although yeah. Charlie, technically it's pronounced Jalixar. Jalixar, oh, I apologize. Yeah. Also, yeah. I was watching one of the like shorts that they have available on Disney Plus and the Portoroso. Um, it's related to the James you were talking about the Miyazaki movie. Oh, and it por is actually Porco Rosso. Porco yeah. Rosso, yeah. And it's actually yeah. like connected in that way. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah I, I, so I think, confirmed. <laughs> yeah. The Jalixar theory. I think uh that this movie, I was going to say, because I, I think my take about this being the most Ghibli Pixar movie ever, I stand by that, I think. Um, just the vibes, the aesthetic, the small, the very like walkable small town by the sea, very idyllic childhood summer. That's a big theme in a lot of Ghibli. Like I'm looking, I mean, childhood, I'm looking at Totoro. I'm looking at Spirited Away. Um, I'm looking at even like uh, up on Poppy Hill. Like, uh, this is a very gib like if this was animated in the Ghibli style with maybe like a little bit less of a rambunctious plot, I would be like, totally, this is a Ghibli movie through and through. Um, wait, guys, I just had a genius idea. Mm -hmm. All right, we haven't done a Socratic Smackdown in a while, not for this episode, but this is an announcement for the rest of you view viewers, listeners, whatever. What it's an if we did? For me too. Yeah, it's an announcement for everyone. What if we did an episode where the three of us draw straws? The person with the shortest straw gets DreamWorks, and then the other two people decide between Pixar and Studio <laughs> uh, Ghibli, oh and we decide God. which animation studio is best. I'm gonna get. Oh. I'm gonna Obviously, be the person with DreamWorks. As some, yeah, exactly. They have their work cut out for them. That's <laughs> that's, that's hard. Wow. That, that's a really... That would be a great Socratic smackdown. Let us know yeah. in the comments if you would like to see that. I'm trying to think about, wow. I would be praying that I got Ghibli. I thought with the draw straws thing, so the person who draws the shortest straw gets kicked off the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's that? We're uh, thinking of thinning story? down. 
the lottery. Oh, yeah, the lottery. Oh, it's like, he lottery. won the lottery. And then they just stone the person. It's yeah. like, <laughs> jeez. 26,000. <laughs> then Dollars the alternate Paula. in the height. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take no, him to the take guys, him to the addiction, I can't stop listening to In the Heights. It's so bad. I can't. Really? I I yeah. Oh, I've been be listening heroin. to it. It is heroin. The Paragua yeah. song. I kid you not. I it is Paragua. like injecting cocaine into my bloodstream. Yeah. It is so sad. Lynn knew what he was doing. He, he put did. that black tar, that what <laughs> is black that? Tar like? no, black tar piragua. <laughs> That's why the kids like it so much. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Twist, make, Mr. Yeah, Frosty's just like a what rehab was he putting center. In it? <laughs> no, what? you don't want to. You don't want to know what he's putting in it. Yeah, yeah. Cooking up something. Yeah, those are not chocolate chips. Those are yes, the, MDMA ooh. pills. Ooh. <laughs> Not the, <laughs> not the stormtrooper ecstasy. <laughs> what? What is stormtrooper ecstasy? Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to put something in the That's chat. That's for that. Socratic but, after hours. Yeah. yeah. As, but before we end up, let's talk about the. Uh, I, I feel like I just need to touch on it. So with Alberto, we get the reveal about his dad. So ah. as a person who that can be kind of triggering for, let's just talk about this theme um does anyone have uh, like any, as a plot device yes as the the abandonment slash no parents trope that i oh, you're right eating the light like they beat that trope with it like not even within an inch of its life like they resurrect it multiple times just to beat it to death again it was contrived predictable I think as soon as he was like, oh, but my dad's not here most of the time. I was like, okay, here we go. Like, all right. I know this is going to come back and it's going to be his tragic backstory. And it was. And like, look, it was like, it was emotional. Like I felt sympathy for him. You know, like I was sad when I needed to be sad. I guess it served its purpose in the story. But like, they could have been more creative in giving Alberto a reason to have like attachment problems and jealousy, like I feel like it yeah. was sort of a it was a low hanging fruit, you know. It was like, oh, this this is easy, this works. Uh, it only really matters in in two scenes of the whole movie, so let's just like throw it in. Eh, eh. I mean, like we've said over and over that this movie on a whole is kind of like tropey and predictable. Yeah. I think this is just one of the more like obvious examples of that where it's like this could have been better. So, yeah, didn't love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Charlie? Yeah, I think I agree with James uh in that it it's in so little of the movie that it just feels like they needed a reason for him to be by himself and to have those attachment uh issues in that you know, his desire to always be super confident and to prove himself to others. But you guys are right. Like, there's a better way that you can probably uh, get a story for that. I mean, it fits with his character. But yeah, I think that that's such a, a, a complex topic. It's really a disservice to just sort of throw it in there as a as an excuse, basically. But I so, guess, however, I guess they do sort of play on it with like, he does wind up having a really positive relationship with Julia's dad. Um, yeah, Mas which I, well, okay. And in the credits, did you guys watch the credits? Oh yes, no, I didn't. What? My so heart. 
they're wonderful. It's like the epilogue. Like as the credits are rolling, they show you like little pictures of of what they're doing in their respective areas. And Alberto is like living it up with uh, the Italian family. And that's super sweet and fun and nice. So I, he I think- He becomes a lifeguard. Yeah, he becomes a lifeguard. It's so adorable. So I think maybe with with that, uh, you, you might be right, James. Like they do they do play with it in the epilogue there. I, I would have maybe liked to see more of it uh, in a non-credits still animated form. Like, sure. Uh, but- yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's fine that he doesn't necessarily like have a consistent place to call home. But yeah, I th- there was probably something that f- that dovetailed a little bit better with the story that they didn't go for. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. What really bothers me is that um, I feel like the use of this trope has become more and more like watered down and less developed, which I feel like is like a big problem because even with like, Because as someone who is adopted and has like certain things where I'm like, okay, I feel like this uh, could have been handled, (laughs) like this death of the parent could have been handled better or this like absentee parent um, could have been handled better just because there are people out there that that's incredibly like triggering for them. So if you start taking, like you start developing it less then like it makes less and less sense why you're just sticking that in there, you know? Because it's like now it's just becoming like a random like plot device when you're actually like playing with people's like actual lives and like experience. Like I I think, I I think back a few decades to something like, I mean, the way they handled this sort of trope in like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or something. Like way, way better. Like, whoa, a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reference. Yeah, whoa. Yeah. We're covering all, far miles better. Like it's nuanced and it actually like impacts the character and and it's like, you know, realistic and and so emotional and well-written. And then now it's just like, uh, dad's never around. I'm jealous. And this is our third act uh, plot. Yeah. Like, yeah. And especially is, is I'm jealous. going into, because that whole like little, mo- it wasn't a monologue that he went on me like, oh yeah, he doesn't need me. He doesn't want me. That you was, don't either. I was like, this is so unnecessary. It was stretching <laughs> my disbelief. It was stretching it. I was like, okay, this is a little, like this is getting a little melodramatic for my taste. It's yeah, not this- because it's just, it's just really unnecessary. I think the Alberto jealousy arc is the weakest part of the movie, honestly. Like as a whole. Yes. I mean, like, it makes sense, but just because it wasn't, um, it just wasn't. It just could have been written better. It could have been written better. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't, just in comparison to the other parts of the movie, it kind of fell flat for me as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. I, 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 I like the the evolution of, of Alberto getting jealous. I think that that's, uh, that fits his character well. And I think that that's probably something that happens in a lot of uh, trio relationships in in uh, younger groups of people. Like, you know, you come in as a duo and then you introduce a third person and then all of a sudden, like, it, it, it all falls apart uh, because you're missing that time with that original person. Like, I think that that's probably a valid and and realistic trouble that maybe some people have. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, I, I think it's good to teach that lesson to kids that like, look, jealousy is not the way that you should, you know, move forward with this. Like, 
they're their own person. They enjoy being with who they like to be with. And, and, you know, if you really do like that person, you should support them in their choices and, and help them along. So I, I'm glad they included it for, for that reason. But I, I get that it felt a little flimsy to me when the only real buildup we got to it was like, oh, he gave him a glit or he wasn't paying attention when he ate a bowl of pasta, you know, like who, who cares at that point? But right, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think the jealousy is a good thing to have strived for. I, I think there's always better ways to probably build it up and implement it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, guys, I just had a thought, just an inkling. And I want to hear what you guys think of it. Because I think, you know how Disney, um, after some of their, like, big movies that they would release, then they would also make little spinoff animated series. I feel like Luca is perfect for yep, that. I'm down. Yes, I'm so down. Right? For like just like the spin-off like little adventures and stuff. Yeah, totally totally down. Nope. <laughs> that yep, point period blank. I'm I'm, period. I'm, I'm game. <laughs> let's do yes, it. Yes, let's do it. Are you like like let's like us? Let's make no, it. I, yeah. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be Luca. Uh one of you can be Alberto, you choose. And then uh we just do an entire series. And we're fun. Yeah. Mm. I'll be I'll be Massimo. I'll be the dad. <laughs> Hello. Hello. All righty. Well. All right. Are we going into the spiel zone? The spiel I'm zone. I'm tired. Aren't you? Oh, you yeah. You, well, you you finished the Poderoso Cup, right? This, so. Yeah, I did. I did the whole race as the a race whole expert. race. The itis is kicking in. Yeah, uh, as man. our resident race expert. <laughs> our resident race expert. Okay, dude. <laughs> uh, well, um, let's do a spiel special where I say, like, we go down the line. So, like, I'll say a word, and then Casey says the next word, and then Charlie says, so, like, thank you, viewers, for watching this podcast you can oh dang it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm sorry if this was improv class you would be kicked out here ready ready um on our website you can find links to all our social medias where you can follow us like twitter instagram and the other one that we have twitch <laughs> twitch Oh, if you Facebook. Would, we, <laughs> if I was you would like say Facebook. If you if you would like to support us financially, uh you can become a patron and donate at PayPal. Go to patreon.com slash Socratic Cinema if you would like to financially support the channel. It means a lot. Every dollar counts and you get access to cool perks and behind the scenes content. Um and please share with your friends. <gasps> we did it. All right. Oh my yes. God. Uh, thanks again for listening. This has been another episode of the Socratic Cinema Podcast. Adios. Adios. Adios.